Welcome back to Zion's Redemption Radio Network. Uh, today we'll be covering chapter 19 of Teachings of the Doctrine of Eternal Lives. The title of this chapter is Elias, Elijah, Noah, and John the Baptist. An essay that explores the relationship between Elias, Elijah, Noah, and John the Baptist. In this essay, I want to look at the scriptural evidence for a link between Elias or Elijah Gabriel, who is Noah, and John the Baptist and others in terms of eternal lives, I believe that there is a preponderance of evidence that supports this thesis beyond reasonable reasonable dispute. Um, I don't agree with him completely, um, but I don't know. Um, But I'm going to read it because I'm committed to reading this book and then giving my uh, thoughts and opinions and uh, knowledge on the topic. Let's begin with two verses of scripture. And also with Elias, to whom I have committed the keys of bringing to pass the restoration of all things spoken by the mouth of all the holy prophets since the world began concerning the last days. And also John, the son of Zacharias, which Zacharias, he, Elias, visited and gave promise that he should have a son and his name should be John and he should be fulfilled or and he should be filled with the spirit of Elias. Doctrine and Covenants, section 27, verses six through seven. Verse 7 offers us an important clue. It tells us that Elias visited Zacharias and promised him a son. In the book of Luke, we find the story of Zacharias and the angelic visitor. It reads, quote, There was in the days of Herod, a, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias, and of course of Abia, and his wife, was the daughter of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. And they had no child, because that Elias was barren, I'm sorry, Elizabeth was barren, and they both were now stricken, now well stricken in years, and it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense, so without the temple or outside of the temple. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. And he said, and he shall go before him in, in the spirit, 
and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife well stricken in years. So Zechariah is turning to his logic instead of the faith that this angel is giving him a true message. And the angel answered and said unto him, I am Gabriel, that stands in the presence of God, and I am sent to speak unto thee and to show thee these glad things. Luke chapter 1, verses 5 through 19. Verse 19 names the angelic visitor as Gabriel, which seems to contradict Doctrine and Covenants section 27, verse 7, which names the visitor as Elias. The Bible Dictionary states that Gabriel was the name of an angel sent to Daniel, to Zacharias, and to Mary. He is identified by Latter-day Revelation as Noah. And that's in the History of the Church, Volume 3, page 386. And also in the Bible Dictionary, page 676. So it appears that the angelic being, with at least two different names, Elias and Gabriel, visited Zacharias. There is another provocative statement in Luke chapter 1, verse 17, which states, And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, which is almost verbatim what the Lord says to Joseph Smith about Elijah saying, And also Elijah, to whom I have committed the keys of the power of turning the hearts of the fathers to the children. Doctrine and Covenants section 27 verse 9. Elias and Elijah seem to be endowed with the same singular singular priesthood keys. That is because the name Elias is the New Testament form Greek and Elijah is from the Hebrew. Elias in these instances can only be the ancient prophet Elijah whose ministry is recorded in the first and second book of Kings. Bible Dictionary, page 663. Therefore, the angelic visitor to Zacharias, Gabriel, and Elias, who prophesied of the coming of John the Baptist, was none other than both Noah and Elijah at different times in in his past eternal lives. So that's the speculation that he's getting at. Returning to Doctrine and Covenants, section uh, 27, verse 7, and also... We also learn that the unborn spirit of John the Baptist was credited with visiting Zacharias. I think that he inserts that into the scripture. I don't think it's actually there. I'm pretty sure he's inserting it to make his point, which is dishonest, but it is what it is. Read carefully and note what is said. And also, John the son of Zacharias, which Zacharias he visited and then it says Elias in parentheses which I don't know the fascinating thing here is that this is one short sentence and we're given the clues that lead to the discovery that Noah Elijah and John the Baptist were all mortal men whose mortal lives are part of the eternal lives of an angel named Gabriel 
Therefore, furthermore, we can conclude from Doctrine and Covenants section 27, verse 7, that when the Lord said to Joseph Smith that John the Baptist was to be filled with the spirit of Elias, or Elijah, that God meant that literally the same eternal spirit which had been Elias or Elijah would also be, uh, would also be John the Baptist. See, that's the speculation there. Joseph Smith taught that these things were offices and that uh, more than one man could hold the same office at different times. So that's the traditional understanding of this. And this person is trying to prove eternal lives through the scriptures, which I think there's plenty of evidence for. And I know that, um, that there is a doctrine of eternal lives from world to world, but I'm still not... Uh, completely convinced that it's from uh, from mortality in one earth round to the next mortality or a, a separate mortality in the same earth round. <coughs> what God showed me is that it's from, from world to world, but he said there was more to it and uh, he never taught me what that was. So Anyway, John the Baptist must be an important character in the Lord's plans. With regard to John the Baptist, the Lord himself said, And as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitude concerning John, What went ye out unto the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind? But what went, what went ye out to, for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what went ye out to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and more than a prophet. For he, for this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I will send my messenger before thy face, which will prepare thy way before thee. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not arisen a greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violence take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, and if you will receive it, this is Elias, which was for to come. For he hath he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Matthew chapter 11, 7 through 15. Also, and his disciples asked him, saying, Why then say the scribes that Elias must first come? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Elias truly shall first come and restore all things. But I say unto you that Elias has come already, and they knew him not, but have done unto him whatsoever they listed. Likewise shall also the Son of Man suffer of them. When the disciples understood, then the disciples understood that he spoke unto them of John the Baptist. Matthew chapter 17, verses 10 through 13. Now compare these verses with additional evidences from the Joseph Smith translation. Note the significant difference. And as they departed... Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John, What went ye out to see in the wilderness to see? And it was, was it a reed shaken with the wind? And they answered him, No. 
And he said, But what went ye out to see? Was it a man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that wear soft raiment are in king's houses. But what went ye out to see? A prophet? Yea, I, I say unto you, and more than a prophet. For this is the one to whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Verily I say unto you, among them, among them that are born of women, there hath not arisen a greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. And the days will come when the violent shall have no more power, for all the prophets and the law prophesied that it should be thus until John. Yea, as many as have prophesied have foretold of these days. And if you will receive it, Verily he was the Elias who was for to come and prepare all things. So that's the office of an Elias or an Elijah, which are different offices. Um, but some people want to say this is the same as Elijah, that John the Baptist is the same as Elijah. And I don't, I don't, I don't go that way. But anyway, <coughs> He that has ears to hear, let him hear. And that's the Joseph Smith translation, chapter 11, verses 7 through 16. Also, and Jesus answered and said unto them, Elias truly shall first come and restore all things as prophesied, as the prophets have written. And again, I say unto you that Elias has come already concerning whom it is written. Behold, I will send my messenger and he shall prepare the way before me. And they knew him not, and have done unto him whatsoever they listed. Likewise shall also the Son of Man suffer of them. But I say unto you, who is Elias? Behold, this is Elias, whom I sent, or who I send to prepare the way before me. So that's why I say that Joseph Smith was an Elias as well, because he came to prepare the way for God the Witness to come. Um, which God the Witness, Joseph Smith said, would come into mortality at a certain point, and that at that time he was a spirit being. Now, the Joseph Smith papers, um, they state that uh, Doctrine and Covenants section 130 states that uh, the Holy Ghost has a body of spirit, uh, or a body and he can't come into the hearts of man, which contradicts what the Doctrine and Covenants sex, uh, section 130 states in our current Doctrine and Covenants, but it also contradicts the lecture at the Grove where Joseph Smith taught that the Holy Ghost was a spirit at that time. And this is like, among certain circles, very... Um, confused uh they want to make something into something it's not anyway but joseph smith said that that god the witness was a spiritual being and that he would come to take the same or similar uh take a body to do the same or similar things as jesus did and it has been revealed to me that joseph smith was an elias to prepare for jo uh, for god the witness to come in the flesh
So um, if you've watched this channel or listened to this podcast for very long, you know exactly what I'm talking about um, when I talk about these things, but I'm not going to get so deep into that right now. We're going to continue on with verse 14. Then the, then the disciples understood that he spake unto them of John the Baptist and also of another who should come and restore all things as it is written by the prophets. And that's the Joseph Smith inspired translation of Matthew chapter 17 verses 10 through 14. We should also compare the following provocative verses from the first chapter of the Gospel of John with the Joseph Smith version of the same verse verses. The differences with regard to Elias are very enlightening. Quote, and this is the record of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who art thou? And he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Art thou Elias? And he said, I am not. Art thou thou that prophet? And he answered, No. So this is the uh, the leaders of the church of their day asking John who he is, right? Which um, I can say that in their wickedness, at least they asked, which is better than what our leaders do in the restoration today. Of course, I understand that there's many out there who are claiming to be all sorts of things. I have met so many different kind of wayward, strange prophets, people who believe that they're God the Father in the flesh. Um, I knew him. He was, his name was Joshua in Florida. He claimed to be the father of Jesus Christ or God the Father. And um, I think that he will probably be the Antichrist that's spoken of in the, in the scriptures. He was actually my roommate for a time. And... Uh, I actually saw light around them, uh, around him at one point, but I knew that it was a deception. Uh, it was interesting. I shared a room with him. We had two queen-sized beds in this room, and um, it was a long room. So my queen-size was on one side of the room. His was on the other, and, and I let him live with us because his wife and uh, himself were having problems and uh, he didn't have anywhere to go. So I was like, you can stay with me. But uh, he actually called our room the Holy of Holies. Now, this was before God showed me that who who I was, but that I had seen him face to face in the flesh uh, before that point. Um, but it was, before, it was uh, 2000 and... 11 or 2012 I can't remember anyway but um he called it that he knew I was a prophet and he called our room the holy of holies which is weird and uh, he was not LDS by the way he was something else completely and um it was just a strange time he wanted me to worship him, and I told him I'll worship God upon the throne, but I'm not worshiping a man on on the earth. And I didn't, I never accepted him uh, as the claims that he stated. But it was important that I met him. So, 
I've met other prophets who claim to be Michael the Archangel, come in the flesh, come back into mortality. Um, I've met people who have claimed to be Jesus Christ, come in mortality. Um, I've met uh, other individuals who claim that I was the prophet Enoch and Elijah and John the Baptist. Like, Satan's really... uh, He's really pushing hard to try to confuse and distort reality. And um, that's why I teach people that they can't trust in the flesh, that they have to go to God to get their, uh, get a confirmation of the spirit and, uh, and find out what the true interpretation of scripture is and, and to go and seek truth from God and not man. Because there's so many of these individuals and these Judas goats that are running around, running amok, trying to uh, to lead people astray. And uh, those are the days that we live in. So, And, you know, a lot of people think that I am leading people astray in whatever I'm saying, too. Which is why I tell them, go to God and I teach how to get revelation for yourself through the mind and through the heart, which is the prescribed way of doing it, according to the Doctrine and Covenants, section 8 or 9. But God wants us to go to him and not just to trust in the flesh. And I'm the flesh. Jesus in his life was the flesh too. The true interpretation of scripture doesn't belong to man. It belongs to God. And in order to understand the true interpretation of scripture, we've got to go to him. We've got to go to God and get a witness from the Holy Ghost and a confirmation of the Spirit so that we can know the true interpretation of Scripture. Anyway, then said they unto him, Who art thou? And and what answer may we give to them that sent us? And what, what sayest thou of thyself? And he said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way the way of the Lord. And as said the prophet, as said the prophet Elias, and they which were sent were of the Pharisees, and they asked him and said unto him, Why baptizest thou then? And if thou be not a Christ nor Elias, neither that prophet. Which is kind of weird because the mikvah was something that was a tradition among the Jews. The mikvah was actually baptizing people. Um, they had uh, baptismal fonts outside of the temple to for people to cleanse themselves before they went into the temple. Which, interesting thing is that they used to do um, full, um, full immersion washings and anointings before you'd go and get your endowments. In the Salt Lake Temple. Now all that's destroyed now because of reconstruction, but it's been covered up for years. So um, John answered and said, I baptize with water, but there are I mikvah, that's Hebrew, with water, but there standeth one among you, whom ye know not. He it is who coming after me is preferred before me whose shoes latch it, I am not worthy to unloose. John chapter 1, verses 19 through 20. (coughs) Excuse me. Um, 
so Jesus, he comes to baptize with fire and with the Holy Ghost. Um, baptism is something that happens when you're fully immersed. So if you're baptized with water, you're fully immersed in water. If you're baptized with the Spirit, you're fully immersed with the Spirit. Like it is like hot oil that burns through you and cleanses you and purifies your whole soul from the inside out. Where baptism by water is from the outside in. Um, when the baptism of fire is done properly, um, in God's timing, um, and that can happen at any time. My first one, um, well, let me think. I remember one time, because I've had it happen several times, actually a lot. Um, but the first time that it happened to me, um, after 1995, Because, like, when I was in the presence of the Father and the Son in 1995, like, I, I felt that burning of the of the complete cleansing from within. Um, but the first time I blessed the sacrament, it, the power of God flowed through me with, with power, with fire. Um... And it kind of scared me because I wasn't expecting it. I was like, whoa, what is going on here? Um, but then when um, I I asked God if Joseph Smith was a true prophet, the same thing happened then as well. So, um, And I think that it happens, well, it happens when God wants it to happen. And uh, we're not going to force the issue. All we can do is... Uh, know about it and do good and seek him and seek revelation and confirmation from the spirit from him. And when the baptism of fire happens, it'll be at his timing, not ours. And uh, just because it happens once doesn't mean it doesn't happen many times. It should happen at least once. That's like with any other ordinance. You should be baptized at least once, but there's nothing wrong with you getting water baptism more than once. But that doctrine has been lost in the church as well. So anyway, and this is the record of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who art thou? And he confessed and denied not and said he was Elias, but confessed saying, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, saying, How then art thou Elias? And he said, I am not that Elias who was to restore all things. And they asked him, saying, Art thou that prophet? And he answered, No. So here John is realizing and teaching that there is an office of Elias, but he is not that one that would restore all things, which shows that there's more than one person who holds that that office at least that's what i'm reading here and that's what joseph smith taught too anyway and then said unto him who art thou that we may give an answer to them that sent us what sayest thou of thyself and he said i am the voice of one crying in the wilderness make straight 
the way of the Lord, as saith the prophet Isaiah, or Isaiah. Uh, Isaiah is uh, Isaiah is Greek for Isaiah, which is English, which is Yeshiahu, I think, in um, in Hebrew. Anyway, and they who were sent of the Pharisees. And they asked him and said unto him, Why baptizest thou then, if thou be not the Christ, nor Elias, who was to restore all things, neither that prophet? And John answered and said, I baptize with water. But there standeth one among you, whom ye know not. He it is, of whom I bear record, he is that prophet, even Elias, who coming after me is preferred before me, whose shoes latched I am not worthy to unloose, or whose place I am not able to fill, for he shall baptize not only with water, but with fire and with the Holy Ghost. And that's the Joseph Smith translation, John chapter 1, verses 20 through 28. <coughs> Excuse me. Let me get a drink here real quick. I can't talk for long without having itches in my throat and dry mouth and all of that. So, If the foregoing evidence is insufficient, then consider the following additional verses of scripture from the JST, which reads, And there appeared unto them Elias with Moses, and in other words, John the Baptist and Moses, and they were walking with Jesus. And Peter answered and said unto Jesus, Master... It is good for us to be here, and let us make three tabernacles, one for thee, and one for Moses, and one for Elias, for they knew not what to say, for they were sore afraid. That's the Joseph Smith translation of Mark chapter 9, verses 3 through 4. Joseph Smith clearly knew what he was writing, and he understood the link he was creating between Elias or Elijah and John the Baptist. But he also taught that they were offices. So like this individual is trying to prove eternal lives through the scriptures. So he's basically starting with a narrative and he's saying, okay, well, this is this. I believe this is true. So where can I show and prove that it's true? And he's basically trying, he's kind of like, Well, maybe maybe not quite what I was going to say. What I was going to say is he's painting the, uh, he's shooting the arrow and then painting the target. Anyway, um, the writers of the LDS Bible Dictionary have struggled with this obvious linkage and wrote the curious wording of JST. Mark chapter 9 verse 3 does not imply that Elias at the transfiguration was John the Baptist and that the that in addition to Elijah the prophet John the Baptist was present Bible dictionary page 663 this is a state if the statement was true why then did Peter suggest making four tabernacles that's a good point and how could Joseph Smith myth make this glaring mathematical error if his intention was to separate and segregate John the Baptist uh, from Elijah, or Elijah from John the Baptist? Once again, 
John the Baptist holds the same office um, as an Elias or Elisha. And uh, Joseph Smith held that office as well to prepare the way for the coming of, of, of God, basically. Anyway, uh, Joseph Smith knew exactly what he was doing. What else can we learn about Elias? And then, uh, for some reason, he doesn't give the chapters that he's quoting from. He just gives the verse. And then at the bottom, we'll get the chapter, hopefully. So he's talking about Doctrine and Covenants, section 77, verse 9. And let me read it to you. Question, what are we to understand by the angel ascending from the east? Revelations chapter 7, our 7th chapter and 2nd verse. We are to understand that the angel ascending from the east is he to whom is given the seal of the living God over the 12 tribes of Israel. Wherefore he crieth unto the four angels, having the everlasting gospel, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their forehead. And if you will receive this, this is Elias, which was to come to gather together the tribes of Israel and restore all things. Doctrine and Covenants, section 77, verse 9. And remember, Doctrine and Covenants 85, it talks about Jesus sending one mighty and strong to set in, in order the house of God. In verse 14, it says, What are we to understand about the little book which was eaten up by John, as mentioned in the 10th chapter of Revelations? We are to understand that it was a mission and an ordinance for him to gather the tribes of Israel. Behold, this is Elias, who, as it is written, must come and restore all things. Doctrine and Covenants, section 77, verse 14. And after this, Elias appeared and committed the dispensation of the gospel of Abraham, saying that in us, in our seed, all generations after us should be blessed. Doctrine and Covenants, section 110, verse 12. Could this reference be Elias to be referring to either Melchizedek or to Abraham as another instance of the same Elias mentioned in Doctrine and Covenants, section 27, verse 7. <coughs> so, uh, returning to Doctrine and Covenants 27, verse 6, we read, And also with Elias, to whom I have committed the keys of bringing to pass the restoration of all things spoken by the mouth of all the holy prophets since the world began concerning the last days. I'll ask a question. To whom did God grant the keys for the restor restoration in the last days? That's Joseph Smith, right? And unto whom I have committed the keys of my kingdom and a dispensation for the gospel for the last times and for the fulfillment or full fullness of times in which I will gather together in one all things both in heaven and and which are on the earth. Doctrine and Covenants, section 27, verse 13. Now, real quick, I'm reading this. I'm giving you what my thoughts and ideas and opinions of the things that I know and, and trying to make sense of it based on what God has already revealed to me. But if you want to go 
to read this for yourself, you will find a link in the description of this video or this podcast where you can go read this chapter for yourself on your own. Um, Hopefully, giving you this information will help you to be able to study it out on your own. That's what that's what I want you to do, and hopefully that's what you... If you're interested in that, I'm giving you the, the references and, and uh, giving you the links so that you can do that for yourself. You don't have to just listen to my words. You can, you can go for yourself and read these things for yourself. All right. For I have given him the keys of the mystery mysteries and the revelations which are sealed until I shall appoint unto them another in his stead. Doctrine and Covenants, section 27, verse 8. Continuing on, and I have given unto him the keys of the mystery of those things which have been sealed, even things which are which were from the foundation of the world, and things which shall come from this time until the time of my coming. If he abide in me, and if not, another will I plant in his stead. Doctrine and Covenant section 35, verse 18. And the keys of the mysteries of the kingdom shall not be taken from my servant Joseph Smith Jr. through that the means I have appointed while he liveth inasmuch as he obeyeth mine ordinances. So as long as Joseph Smith was doing what God asked him to, he would uh, he would retain the keys. But if he ever fell, they would be given to another. It doesn't say they would be given to another in his lifetime. It said that, he, that they would be given to another. So don't speculate that it would be in the lifetime of Joseph Smith if he would fall. So anyway... That's Doctrine and Covenants, section 64, verse 5. Continuing on, Unto whom I have given the keys of the kingdom, which belong always unto the presidency of the of the high priesthood. Doctrine and Covenants, section 81, verse 2. Therefore thou art blessed from henceforth that bear the keys of the kingdom given unto you, which kingdom is coming forth for the last time, Verily I say unto you, the keys of this kingdom shall never be taken from you while thou art in the world, neither in the world to come. Doctrine and Covenants, section 90, verses 2 through 3. But we know that when Adam and Andiamen happens, that, that all of the prophets and all dispensations of time will surrender their keys that they have been given to Father Adam, and he will give them to Jesus Christ at that point. So, <coughs> excuse me. Just I uh, want people to uh, consider that too, you know, that that Joseph Smith will surrender those keys at some point. All right. Therefore, the keys of this dispensation are committed unto your hands, and by this ye may know that the great and dreadful day of the Lord is near, even at the doors. Doctrine and Covenants 110, verse 16. Um, could it be that Elias, spoken of in Doctrine and Covenants, section 27, verse 6, is also the prophet Joseph Smith, to whom I have committed the keys of bringing to pass the restoration of all things spoken by the mouth of all the holy prophets since the world began concerning the last days, Doctrine and Covenants, section 27, verse 6. 
Then the disciples understood that he spake unto them of John the Baptist, and also of another who should come and restore all things as is written by all by the prophets. Joseph Smith translation, Matthew chapter 17, verse 14. And finally consider this. What is the root of Jesse spoken of in the 10th verse of the 11th chapter? Behold, thus saith the Lord, it is a descendant of Jesse as well as of Joseph. Now, Jesse was a Jew. Jesse is the father of King David. So this individual will be of the tribe of Judah through the line of Jesse, or a Davidic servant, as well as that of the tribe of Joseph through Ephraim and Manasseh unto whom rightly belongs the priesthood and the keys of the kingdom for an ensign and for the gathering of my people in the last days. Real quick, as I've talked about before, Joseph Smith was a pure Ephraimite. He was not of Judah. He was the only one to fulfill the pro- that could fulfill the prophecy of Genesis chapter 49 where the keys or the scepter of power would depart from Judah when Shiloh comes. John the Baptist was of Judah. Jesus was of Judah. Peter, James, and John were of Judah. When the keys of, of the kingdom and the priesthood were given to Joseph Smith, when the uh, when they he was receiving the confer, confirmation or conferral of the priesthood, the scepter of power departed from the house of Judah to a pure Ephraimite who was Joseph Smith. That's why I say Joseph Smith cannot be the Davidic servant. He was the only one that fulfills that uh, that that prophecy of Shiloh that the scepter of power would depart from Judah when Shiloh came. Joseph Smith is Shiloh. Jesus Christ is not Shiloh because Jesus Christ is of the house of Judah. And when he held the keys and the scepter of power, it was held by a Jew who was Jesus Christ. Anyway, (coughs) excuse me. People try to make these links, but they... They make the links that they're trying to make because they think they got it figured out and they ignore other things which would show that what they're talking about is a contradiction. So, anyway, I think we all do it. All right, so... Adam, Enoch, Noah, Melchizedek, Elias... Moses, John the Baptist, Joseph Smith. Would to God, brethren, I could tell you who I am. See, this, these guys, they, they've got to make their... Ugh, they drive me nuts. Joseph Smith did say this, but they don't know what he's talking about because Joseph Smith never elaborated on it. So they're going to try to say, oh, well, Joseph Smith, he said, you know, if you guys knew who I am, you'd call it blasphemy and, and all of this. Yeah, because you don't understand who he really is. Like, he wanted to give us so much more than he gave us, but the the saints at the time were not ready for it, not even a little bit. 
Would to God, brethren, I could tell you who I am. Would to God I could tell you what I know. But you would all call it blasphemy. And when and there are men upon the stand who would want to take my life. And that's Joseph Smith Jr. is quoted by Heber C. Kimball, Life of Heber C. Kimball by Orson F. Whitney. That's interesting. Um, pages 322 through 323. So when we come back next time, um, when I come back to do another reading, we're going to be in chapter 20 of teachings of the doctrine of eternal lives. And it says, God himself shall come down. So we'll have to see what it says when we come back and read it at that time. So thank you for listening. Uh, thank you for watching the video on YouTube at Zion's Redemption Radio Network. Thank you for listening to the podcast on iTunes at Zion's Redemption Radio Network or at blogtalkradio.com forward slash fundamentally Mormon. So anyway, without any, uh, nothing else to really say, I'm just thankful that you listen to the program. And like I said, the link in the description for uh, reading this for yourself will be provided in all places where this podcast is posted. And uh, you can go and read it for yourself. I, I hope that you learn from, uh, from these things. And I hope that it helps you to have insight that maybe you may not have. And uh, I hope that you can get revelation for yourself and confirmation of the Spirit when you are correct in what you believe, line upon line, precept upon precept, that we should all be prophets. God is no respecter of persons. And Joseph Smith and Jesus Christ said that the things that you have seen shall you do greater. So God wants us all to come to him individually. And true prophets show us how to do that. So anyway, thank you for listening, everyone. Take care. God bless. And goodbye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.